0: Eve. It's Christmas Eve. It's the it's one night of the year when we all act a little nicer. We 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 smile a little easier. We 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 share a little more. For a couple of hours out of the whole year, we are the people that we
1: always hoped we would be.
0: Hello and welcome to 80s Movie Montage. This is Derek.
1: And this is Anna.
0: And this is the podcast where for just a couple hours we try to be the people that we, that always... we always knew we could be. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> and yes, yeah, so this uh we have been inspired by the movie that we are covering today Which called Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah, what uh, a what
0: a crazy movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, it is. It's wild. And uh it is the second in the three holiday-themed films that we are covering this season.
0: Yeah. What's the third one? Well, we'll get to that one. We'll get
1: to... to yeah. Hold, hold your horses, Derek. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, But yes, yeah, so Scrooge, 1988, and like we always do, we had a great guest to talk about this particular movie, our first returning guest yes. to the show, yeah. Michelle. Yeah. So, we we cover quite a bit with her, and as, again, what usually happens is, like, it, this conversation with our guests makes us kind of look at the movie in a different light.
0: Yeah, no, it, it definitely did, because I, I for sure had a different perspective of this movie after having not seen it for a while and mm-hmm. after having seen a lot of other Bill Murray movies mm-hmm. in between yeah. that time. Yep. Uh, so it was interesting to hear what Michelle had to say and, and kind of, like, her her memories of like first seeing it mm-hmm. and then the way that she and her her brother yeah. look at it. So, yeah.
1: It's uh and it's also it's difficult to separate this movie from the gentleman you just mentioned Bill Murray because he is he is kind of the movie. I mean, there's a lot of other really great side characters that we do discuss, but he really is the center point of uh of this movie. So, let's let's dive in. Yeah. Okay. So Scrooged, I think I just mentioned 1988. So it's, it's on still,
0: 1988. still
1: 1988. Still <laughs> 1988. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so this is interesting because this is the second movie in a row that we're covering that is based off a book.
0: Technically, that is correct. Yeah. Te- this is a movie based off of several movies based off a book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the the novelist, the writer of whom we are speaking is...
0: William Shakespeare. Eh. Charles Dickens.
1: There you go. <laughs> um. And what's really interesting... So I should have fact-checked this, but I feel like Dickens is... Um,
0: We're running with it. Whatever is, you say is right like now. open
1: public domain. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I believe so, so. So you don't have to pay to use his stories as like an adaptation for whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of stories like that, which is why every year we get one of these.
1: Well, here's the thing is that so, I mean, Charles Dickens has a listing on IMDb because of his, all his many stories. Yeah. Guess how many, quote, writing credits Charles Dickens has? Oh, wow.
0: 300.
1: Oh, higher.
0: 500.
1: Ah, somewhere in the middle. 427.
0: (laughs) Wow.
1: 427 writing credits because that is how popular his works are. I have to be honest, I did not go through to count specifically how many are adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. But suffice it to say, I saw that come up a lot. I wonder so, what the
0: correlation is between that the popularity of those stories and the amount that they have to pay for the rights of those stories, which is
1: zero. Which is zero. Yeah. So Charles Dickens, I mean, this is the dude who, you know, besides A Christmas Carol. The dude. The dude. <laughs> um, he did, you know, A Tale of Two Cities, Oliver Twist, uh, Great Expectations. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is who we are speaking about in case you weren't familiar with Charles Dickens. He had Charles quite Dickens.
0: the flair for the dramatic. Yeah.
1: And one thing that is actually um, kind of a urban legend that's not true. So I know that it's been thrown around that, like, Part of the reason why his stories are like kind of so wordy and on the longer side is because he was paid per word. That's not true. I that look, was not the case. I'm
0: gonna be honest. I'm not aware of any Charles Dickens urban legends. So this is new oh, to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's
1: just something that like <laughs> I had heard about, and that's not the case. But it didn't, anyway. Okay, so moving on to the two gentlemen who actually adapted mm-hmm. uh this the screenplay. The first, Mitch Glazer. Um, he's had some like Fun credits, some some fun projects that he's worked on. So among some of his other credits, Three of Hearts, he uh, must be a fan of Dickens because he also worked on or wrote Great, Great Expectations. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one with... um With Ethan Hawke and Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yep, that one. Uh, also the writer behind The Recruit. A TV series that I'm not familiar with. Are you familiar with Magic City?
0: No. I don't Not know that
1: one but um he also did rock the casbah with bill murray interesting and then a very murray christmas okay so i All guess right. he has maybe a little bit of a relationship with him i don't know um the other gentleman michael o'donohue i think i got that right uh so he was he was a big snl guy so that's kind of what his background is. So he was the head writer on the show for a while. So that is that's kind of his wheelhouse. And if you look at his credits on IMDb, almost everything that he is credited for relates back in some way to SNL, including both the show itself hmm. and then like the SNL special specials that they have done. Okay. So that's kind of his his deal. Okay. So what what's interesting about this particular film is that there are quite a few people involved that we've actually already covered in like such insanely different contexts. Yeah. Yeah. Starting with the director, Richard Donner, mm-hmm. um, love Richard Donner. We do talk about him in episode three, the Goonies, one of my favorite, favorite movies, eighties or otherwise. He is the director of that film as well. So as we do, we're going to kind of brush over him only because we've already talked about him. So- we talk
0: about him a little bit more in our conversation with Michelle, in particular the you know the alleged or reported rift yeah. between him and Bill Murray on this. And I just want to say, before we completely leave Richard Donner behind, is that <laughs> uh, notwithstanding that possible issue between him and Murray, mm-hmm. he was a good enough guy to fire everyone on um, December 24th.
1: I know what story you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Because the studio wanted them to work through Christmas. And so he fired everyone. And then two days afterwards, rehired everybody. Said so mm-hmm. they had a couple days off. So I'll no, give him credit I think, for that.
1: I mean, Richard Donner is an amazing man. And I think, you know, the whole debacle with Superman and Superman 2, he handled with such grace yeah. and dignity. So whatever difference of opinion there may have been between him and Murray, as far as Murray's performance. I'm not taking sides with that. I think sometimes creatives just have different opinions Look, of how to do something. If
0: if he's guilty of anything, it's of wanting too much Murray, and I can't yeah, fault him for that. Yeah.
1: So so this whole conversation that we do have with Michelle isn't about who is right or who is wrong. It's just the
0: impact it had on the movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And and again, creatives have a particular way sometimes of seeing something. I think
0: they have a particular way. Every time.
1: <laughs> but when you have two individuals that probably have pretty strong opinions, yeah. Donner being a very well-established director. And
0: and Murray, this being like really his first leading role Correct. after Ghostbusters, yeah. that, that was always going to go Donner's way.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. This, okay. So this next thing that I'm bringing up, really, really interesting. Lay it on me. Okay, so cinematography. This is another gentleman that we've already talked about more recently, Mm. Michael Chapman. Okay. So prolific DP. We talked about him just a couple episodes when we went over The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. So he was the DP on that. And he also just very recently passed away. Mm. He just passed away in September. So if you want to learn more about him, I recommend you going to episode 20 where we go over all of his amazing credits. Here's the thing I want to bring up, though. With Michael Chapman. Mm -hmm. So as I was like kind of going through my research, I saw that Michael Chapman was not the original DP on this film. (gasps) Yeah. I don't know what the circumstances were for this other DP being fired or dropping out or whatever the uh, case may be. But are you familiar with the name Conrad Hall?
0: Mm, It sounds kind of familiar, but I don't know why.
1: He's truly one of the most uh one of the best DPs there ever were. That's I'm just gonna why. say it that okay. way. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so I was like, hold up. I mean, first of all, both of them. Both of these gentlemen, amazing, amazing creatives and, and technicians mm-hmm. in their craft. And so I was like, what in the world happened that Conrad Hall, who was a 10 time Oscar nominee was booted off this film.
0: What did happen?
1: I don't know. Oh my I, god! And and I mean, like when I and I'm not. This is not hyperbole with this person. So like Conrad Hall. Not to pivot too much away from this movie, but like some of his credits: Cool Hand Luke. Oh yeah, in Cold Blood. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid won an Oscar for it. The Day of the Locust, Marathon Man, American Beauty won the Oscar for it. Road to Perdition won an Oscar for it. So I'm like, what happened that you're like, yeah, no, we're not going to go with Conrad at all. Like, that is just bizarre to me. I mean, they found an amazing backup because in his own right, Michael Chapman was an amazing DP. But I just thought that that was like fascinating.
0: That is interesting. Maybe he wanted Murray to be louder.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's really in his wheelhouse of what he gets to call the shots on, but like, I think maybe it was. Maybe who knows? So another like, there's kind of all these like really fascinating tidbits with this movie, as far as the editors on this film. First of all, it's a, it's a two hander editor gig. You know what that means? No. Oh, listen, this is the first. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay. This is, I'm. You can tell I'm like giddy about this because I find this really, really interesting. We have a father and son editing team. That's fun. Isn't that so fun? That
0: is, yeah. I've
1: never seen that before. Okay, so the two gentlemen I'm speaking of, Frederick Steinkamp Mm -hmm. and William Steinkamp.
0: The Steinkamps.
1: The Steinkamps. Of course. So William is Frederick's son, and they work together a lot. Also kind of did some things on their own, and obviously Frederick being the elder of the two was... In this career far earlier. So like a lot of his credits don't involve his son.
0: Without even knowing either of the Stein camps, for some reason, I intuitively just believe that Frederick was the eldest, the elder of the Stein camps. Because the name. Yes. Something about the name. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I get you. Um, so some of his earlier credits, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, hmm. The unsung- Unsinkable Molly Brown. Mm-hmm. I had to put this one in just because I love the title. Doctor, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Exclamation point!
0: I, the exclamation point is really what seals the deal. Yeah, on that. it's yeah. a
1: great title. I'm bringing this one up because you were like, "Wait, what?" Because we just covered it in the previous episode. They shoot horses, don't they?
0: Question Another, mark. Yeah, question mark or exclamation point. No
1: question mark. Okay. Um, Tootsie. Nice. Against all odds, okay. out of Africa, Adventures in Babysitting, mm. The Firm, and Sabrina are some of his editing mm. credits. Nice. So William. Uh, I'm about to show right now, did a lot with his dad. So they worked together on Tootsie,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on Against All Odds, on Out of Africa, on Adventures in Babysitting. But then he also has gone on to do stuff on his own. So he did The Fabulous Baker Boys, Scent of a Woman. They came together again on The Firm. He also edited on A Time to Kill, Heartbreakers, which I actually really like that movie. They've,
0: they've worked on a ton of
1: things. A ton of things. Yeah. And then I included this title again because I just think it's a great title, Freaky Deaky.
0: Colon, exclamation point, no, question mark? That's
1: just, just Freaky Deaky. It's I too bad
0: that they didn't edit Punctuation, the I movie. I think that's
1: all you need, really, with a title like Freaky Deaky. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Is it all caps, at least? No. Damn it. Sorry to be disappointing you. That's okay. I thought it was a great title. Anyway, moving on to music. Mm-hmm. Yet another gentleman that we've discussed a couple times at this point. Yeah. The amazing... Danny Elfman.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy cuz I don't think I I don't think I realized that he had scored this movie or been involved in this movie at all. And as soon as the opening credits start, mm-hmm. I'm like wow, that sounds like uh Danny Elfman cuz he mm-hmm. does have like that sound.
1: Sure. Same way that John Williams has his kind of like yeah. Sound.
0: I didn't really check on it until like the end credits rolled, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was him. Nice.
1: And what's interesting is that the two films that, and we kind of, I kind of broke our own rules because I think we do talk about him a little bit in both instead of just like passing over on the la- latter one. But we talk about him in episode 14, probably the most thoroughly, because we talk in great length about his relationship with Tim Burton yeah. on Batman. Yeah. So. That's,
0: I mean, he he really wouldn't do what he does now without Burton. No, so that makes no. sense. Yeah.
1: And then also we bring him up again in episode 19 for Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And what I found really interesting is that in some ways I feel like what he scored for Scrooged is kind of in between these two movies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's a I, little bit of both. I hear a little bit of, of Batman. I hear a little bit of this in um, Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I hear a little bit of it, and like, there's just this like tone or, or like character to the music that he puts in these movies where it can sound all at once kind of lighthearted and also kind of sinister.
1: Yeah, great way of putting it. So, if you want to learn more about him, episodes 14 and 19. Mm-hmm. All right. So, <laughs> I, sorry, I just imagine people got... like. Let me let me get that down. Do, do you really think that that's what they're doing? I,
0: I don't.
1: Oh my god! I got to get back to that episode now. Let me, let me like rewind this just so I can get that. All right. So moving on to the cast of characters in this film, we've already mentioned him. A chief among them, Mr. Bill Murray, who plays Frank Cross, mm-hmm. Francis Xavier Cross, to be precise. That's quite a name. Yeah. So. You know, we do we do go on quite a bit with Michelle about how we feel about his performance in this film and the way that it was portrayed. Uh so I'm gonna kinda pass over his filmography, but because we again have already covered him in episode nine, which was Ghostbusters, yep. you can go to Ghostbusters if do you it. just wanna hear about all the different movies that he was in. Yeah. Um, Okay, moving on to Karen Allen, who plays Claire Phillips, his love interest in the film. Mm -hmm. And kind of samesies, we actually do talk about her kind of in great length. And again, how we feel about this performance. Uh, We have already covered Karen Allen in episode 13, which was Raiders of Lost Ark.
0: Yes, we, yeah. I mean, she's great and she was... Great in, in Raiders, obviously, mm-hmm. and I think because of how great she was in that, it really, like, the the contrast in character mm-hmm. is, is really apparent, and that's part of what we talk about later with Michelle.
1: Yeah, I mean, Raiders was really a defining role, and I don't think that there's anything negative about saying that that was, like, an iconic role that everybody associates her with now, but, yeah. I mean, the three roles that, like, I really think of when I think of her, um... So preceding Raiders is Animal House. Okay, uh, that's like kind of the first time I remember. You know, like first movie I associate her with. I guess I should say I wasn't alive. I think when anyway. <laughs> um, so so Animal House, and then Raiders, and then this movie. Mm-hmm. Raiders definitely stands out. she the character she plays in Scrooge, I think, in some ways, is kind of similar to who she plays in Animal House, where she's kind of like the normal, grounded figure, yeah, amongst all this chaos.
0: Well, it's interesting that you say that because she she is, I think, intended to be so in Scrooge. But really, it's grace that grounds the movie more than that's true, more than like anyone else and more than her. I mean, she, she has the patience of a saint with Bill Murray mm-hmm. in this movie and it kind of feels like like her scenes are more to show us about what's going on with him mm-hmm. than than anything else.
1: Yeah, no that's a great you way know. of putting it. So okay, so if you want to check her out, episode 13. Okay, so finally. Finally.
0: finally. That's it. Finally. There are only three people in this movie? No, no,
1: no. No, finally moving on to oh. new actors that we can talk about. Yeah. So uh I mean, in no particular order, John Forsyth, who plays Lou Hayward.
0: He was great. He was, like, Amazing. an amazingly good dead Jacob Marley, basically, Yeah. boss. Yeah. Right? Like,
1: yeah. He was awesome. And I thought what was really interesting about him is that with his character, you know, in the flat... Well, okay, so when Frank is with the Ghost of Christmas Past, yeah. they go to a holiday party um, that had a still living Lou Hayward, and he actually comes across as a very kind, generous boss. He doesn't actually seem like he's the the jerk that Frank becomes, because he even tells Frank like, "Hey, did you notice that there's a holiday party going on? Like he's encouraging yeah. him to like take a break." Um, so I thought that was an interesting way of portraying that character, and yeah, I mean when. When we were watching the scene, when he comes to visit Frank, honestly, the only thing I could think of is like, how uncomfortable is he right now with all that makeup (laughs) on him?
0: It's tough because the Jacob Marley character is so important in setting the tone of what you can kind of expect for the rest of the movie. Like, how is he going to be treating like this version of Ebenezer Scrooge? Mm -hmm. And how are they trying to use like some special effects to kind of get like some shock or to like kind of really bring some some force or impact to the scene and it was great i don't know why he had the power to magically push him like through a window but that was awesome and then when he's getting like his arm ripped to pieces that was great i didn't understand any of it but it was awesome
1: i mean i think when you introduce a dead character who's come kind of come back to life all rules are out the window yeah yeah And he can kind of do whatever he wants because he is like supernatural and magical.
0: Yeah, I I did like that that kind of ended with Murray falling down in that like vertigo spiral Mm -hmm. type of like falling down from the skyscraper instead of other other like Christmas Carol movies where you see Jacob Marley's ghost kind of like. Fading off mm-hmm, out of mm-hmm. a window or something, yeah. so that, that was kind of nice.
1: Yeah, no, he did a great job. I think he, I hope, had a lot of fun with that because he brings a lot of fun to that role. Yeah, shoot and, me,
0: but take it easy on the Bacardi.
1: <laughs> and so, as far as I mean, a prolific career, he did a ton of TV work, he did over, a ton of Dynasty. Well, yes, and I am getting that That is part of his TV work. Um, so I didn't realize that, like, among some of his earlier work, did you know that there was the John Forsyth show?
0: No. Was he in it?
1: I, I think he was probably the star. I mean, that would be quite a coincidence. It's a great, it's a great match. Just... Yeah. <laughs> um, he also, I just mentioned the, the film earlier, he was in Cold Blood. So that was one. I I think he, well, I shouldn't say definitively that he did more TV than film, but I I think that's kind of how that worked itself out. Um, He also was in the show To Roam With Love. I do think that probably, um, I think there's two roles that people know him or associate him with the most. The first is actually just his voice as Charlie in Charlie's Angels. For sure. Yeah. So I think that's the first one. It was first a TV series, but then he reprised his voice acting role in the two Charlie Angels movies that came out around 2000. So the first one was just Charlie's Angels and then the second Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. So he came back for both of those. And actually, you know, what's funny is that Bill Murray uh, was Bosley. Yeah, yeah. For the one, and then I know there was a falling out there, so then Bernie Mac, I believe, came back for the second one and took over that role.
0: The Charlie's Angels franchise is just confusing with the number of different people in different roles. A
1: lot of franchises are, I mean, that is all people want to do nowadays.
0: Tough to keep track.
1: Tough to keep track. Okay, so then the other role that probably, a little bit uh, before our generation, probably recognize him from is Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, talk about, like, a dynasty named Blake Carrington. That I mean, guy
0: sounds like he's part of a dynasty.
1: Yeah, sure does. And then I guess uh, there was a spinoff of Dynasty called Colby's, and he also was on that as Blake Carrington. All right. So John Forsyth. Okay. So moving on to the actress that you mentioned just a bit ago, Alfrey Woodard. Uh, so she plays Grace Cooley. She is Frank's secretary and kind of, care care what's the word i'm looking for i'm gonna say care. that
0: she is his executive administrative assistant
1: okay that's a great way of putting it. and she kind of looks over all aspects of his life because she's you know yeah. asking him what he wants to gift people yeah so she she definitely goes above and beyond and uh yeah we do discuss her a little bit with michelle and you know her career has just continued continues to grow as time goes on she's and has been in so much it's been so much um so among some of her very earlier credits uh Hill Street Blues mm-hmm. she had a few episodes on there um she for a minute was on Saint Elsewhere so she was a doctor nice. on that show and and she's done a ton of film i mean i i do remember i don't know why cuz i was like far too young to like watch this movie but passion fish i remember her from that wow um yeah <laughs> she was in Cricklin how to make an American quilt. Primal Fear. Oh yeah. For all the truckies out there, Star Trek: First Contact. First
0: Contact. Yes.
1: Mumford. Love and Basketball. Uh, comes back to TV for Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in True Blood.
0: She was uh, her that um, oh, her mom, like the the one character's mom, right?
1: Oh, is that I could because I couldn't place her.
0: I I think, I think that's... I've tried to block
1: out that show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So Okay, so True Blood, and then back to film, 12 Years a Slave, Annabelle.
0: Annabelle, crazy.
1: Yeah, crazy. Um, Captain America Civil War, and then- I
0: will will die on this hill when I say that Captain America Civil War is, well, no, I was thinking of Winter Soldier. (laughs) Look, I will die on this hill that Captain America Civil War is a movie in the Marvel franchise. (laughs) That's the hill I'm willing to die on. I, I
1: feel like you are pretty, you're on solid ground, For that one, yeah.
0: And also Winter Soldier's one of the best.
1: Okay, Yeah. fair enough. Um, And then more recently, Luke Cage, the TV series. So she's all over the place. She's doing everything. She has had an amazing career and continues to have an amazing career. Okay, moving on to a really interesting figure in this film, Bobcat Goldwaith. So he plays Elliot... I don't know if his last name is ever mentioned in the film, but it is a very bizarre last name, Loudermilk.
0: That is an interesting name.
1: Yeah. I'm like, is that really a last name? Anyway. It is a last name. I guess guess they make it a last name. So... Interesting career. I mean, he's done a ton of work, both just like acting and voice acting, but he has pivoted. And so he's doing a lot more directing nowadays. Yeah. Um. But among his acting work, so probably a lot of people know him from a couple of the Police Academy That's films.
0: honestly all I know him from. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> Aside okay.
0: from uh, Scrooge, that's what I always directly tie him back to.
1: Okay. So he was in Police Academy 3 and 4, respectively, back in training in Citizens on pa- Patrol. Yeah. I know him from One Crazy Summer. Okay. That's the movie that I first, like, think of when I think of him. Uh, He also was... This character, Shakes the Clown, and I think he directed that one, too. I don't really know anything about it.
0: I'm not familiar with that.
1: Not familiar. He... He seems to have a little bit of a relationship with Disney, though, because he has been a voice actor for, like, several of their projects. So he was in the film – well, his voice was uh, part of the film Hercules. Okay. And then he reprised that for the TV series version of Hercules. Hmm. Um, He also was on the TV series Did Voice Acting Work for Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Also, voice work for Lilo and Stitch, the series. So, a lot of Disney work. So, if Disney has a movie that they <laughs> want to adapt to it. a series. Yeah, he might be in it. Nice. Um, also, Unhappily Ever After. And then, just in general, tons of TV work. So Yeah. Okay. Now, moving to a very different kind of actor. I mean, somebody who is part of, like, kind of the golden uh, age of Hollywood. Um, oh. I know that a lot of people, like... From what I read when casting was being done for this film, there was kind of a question if he would want to be part of the film because he has a smaller role.
0: Obviously, you're talking about Buddy Hackett.
1: No, (laughs) sorry. Robert Mitchum.
0: Yeah, that makes more sense.
1: So, And what a name he has in this movie, Preston Rhinelander. Yeah. So, I mean, this gentleman, long career, huge, huge, huge star before Scrooge was ever... An idea or a twinkling in somebody's mind. So, yeah. I mean, among some of his uh, credits, The Night of the Hunter, The Sundowners, The Original Cape Fear, Yeah, The Longest Day, Midway, The Last Tycoon, The Big Sleep, and then uh, as he progressed in his career and got a little bit older, it seems like he kind of came over to television a little bit more. He was on the TV series North and South. He was also on the TV miniseries, War and Remembrance. Uh, and then I think one of his final uh, roles, Not we did not see him, but we know his voice from Tombstone.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, he's the narrator in mm-hmm. Tombstone. I, I'd have to rewatch that to get a sense of, I mean, is that like the opening when they're talking about the cowboys and...
1: He's, he's pretty much in the opening and the close. He yeah. gives like a little epilogue to White Earp's That's story. That's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. And it really ties into a lot of what his own roles yeah. uh, were about. So, okay. Moving on to Carol Kane, who was the ghost of Christmas present in the film. I mean, holy cow. What a career she's had. I mean, it's interesting because... I think she's very, I think you could pretty much qualify her as like a character actor.
0: Yeah. She we, doesn't
1: usually carry anything.
0: It is interesting. We have covered her. Did we? Well, I don't know how, how oh, much we went into it. Oh, you're talking but about the Princess Bride. Yeah. I don't Shoot. think we really went into it much. I don't but know
1: if we really went into it because it didn't even <laughs> trigger me. I should. Take a, okay, well, I'm just going to break my rule because I don't remember right now. The only rules really... we
0: have is that there are no rules.
1: <laughs> I, I have a feeling that I didn't really go over it because I don't remember, like, listing off her whatever. <laughs> um, so, in any case, Carol Kane, I mean, so many different kinds of roles. So, among some of her earlier work, Dog Day Afternoon, Annie Hall, The Bumpet mm-hmm. Movie, When a Stranger Calls. The one where it's coming the call's coming from inside the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh I even though I know we both aren't like necessarily a fan of the series, um, she was in Taxi, the T V series. Yeah. She was Labka's like love interest.
0: Yeah, there are there's really like funny moments within the series, but it's hard to just get past the intro song. The most-
1: depressing Without, intro. Without,
0: like, calling your physician for antidepressants. Yeah. Like, I can't make it past it's that to so get to the funny. It's
1: weird. It's such a weird... Okay, anyway. Uh Jumpin' Jack Flash. Mm-hmm. Ishtar. Oof. Uh, yeah. Oof. The Princess Bride. Yeah. Like we just talked about. <laughs> License to Drive. My Blue Heaven. And then also, kind of as her career has progressed, she has kind of come back to mm-hmm. television. So some of the series that she's been on, Gotham, uh, probably the one that I'm most familiar with that is more recent is unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt yeah of course yeah so and then she was I didn't realize this because I think we kind of dropped away from this series loss of spookies
0: She's oh in that man that's such a that's such a wild show that wild. is Los I mean, spookies is a great show yeah, great show. I recommend it to everyone yeah. that just likes bizarre stuff
1: yeah it's fun and then probably most recently hunters. Yeah. Which you know, I know we dropped away from that series as well, but I did really like her performance of what yeah. I saw. It was like more understated than yeah. sometimes what she does. I mean,
0: that show the the pilot is just so different from the rest of the show. I you know maybe I'll give another shot at at some point, but I yeah. don't know. I want to like it. I mean, the concept is something where I'm like instantly like, yeah, sure. yeah,
1: yeah, going after Nazis. Yeah, let's I'm, do this. I'm there. Yeah. So okay, moving on to the ghost of Christmas past. Mm. So his his given name is David Johansson, but most people probably know him as the entertainer Buster Poindexter.
0: I, I mean, that's certainly what I identify him with from mm-hmm. that like wacky, hot, hot, hot song and mm-hmm. music video. But it seems like he's done a lot of stuff.
1: Yes, yeah. like
0: aside from that, like without sure. that name.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of how he came into the entertainment world. But yeah, I think he definitely is a diverse creative who has done other things. I mean, most of his <laughs> credits fall under kind of a musical category.
0: My favorite credit of his is um, Alvin and the Chipmunks, colon, the road ship, performer, hot, 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 as Buster.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's kind of his wheelhouse, <laughs> but some of his, I guess, more straight, Credits. Not that I think he was really like so married to the mob. Two hundred cigarettes. Which I'm trying to think what he was in that because I love that movie and I can't place him. But then also he was in a very Merry Christmas.
0: Yeah, kick so. ass. I don't don't know where he was in that, but
1: yeah, I feel soundtrack. like some of them are like blinking him. I don't know. Um, okay, but moving on to John Glover. So he plays Bryce Cummings, who is essentially the dude who's like trying to push Frank out of his role to take it over
0: he's the personification of smugness
1: oh yeah like yeah
0: yeah. I remember him from payback
1: well you know he's one of those actors where I mean crazy long IMDB list of credits but he's like He's one of those people where it's like you maybe wouldn't know him by name, but you're like, oh yeah, no, I know that guy. Yeah. Like as soon as you see his face. Because he's been in everything.
0: Yeah. He's done everything from, from TV to movies to video game voice.
1: Yeah, exactly. So prolific career and just a smattering of some of his credits. So he's in that uh cult. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's like very culty movie, Meet the Hollowheads.
0: No, no, I have not.
1: He's in that. I'm not familiar with that. Uh Gremlins 2 The New Batch, mm-hmm. Robocop 2. Uh, so among some of his TV work, The Days and Nights of Molly Dodd. Like I kind of like I remember the name of that show. I feel like that's same. a show that I would like. Mm-hmm. I, I feel not, like I'm would...
0: not as much same, but I remember the name
1: South <laughs> Beach. And then going back to film in the mouth of madness, Batman and Robin. You mentioned Payback mm-hmm. and then going back to television. So he was in Smallville. He was, I believe, Lionel uh, Luther. So Lex's father, oh, okay. I think. Yeah.
0: And yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah,
1: yeah I re- I do remember him from that Tron Uprising and The Good Wife. So it's just some of and yes. Star
0: Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, my apologies, which I was not really a fan of. That mm-hmm. all the spinoffs. Oh, but, yeah. I'm not going to go there. Nah, I, I shouldn't. Don't, I shouldn't the the
1: Trekkies. I don't know. Mm. Um, okay. So moving on. So we talk about this with Michelle, the fact that actual like. Like, almost half of the Murray family is in this movie. There are several Murrays. Several Murrays. Several um, I mean, we have Joel Murray and John Murray. So John Murray actually plays uh, Frank's younger brother. So they play brothers in a movie, and they're also brothers in life. They play brothers in real life. In, in real life. The one that I'm they to kind of cover is the one that I think has had probably the most prolific of the Murray brothers collective— Like of all their careers um he plays four-year-old frank's father okay and uh he is brian doyle murray
0: yeah he's great He's, he's yeah yeah i love him
1: and he's i mean he's done a ton and sure he's done a ton with his brother but he's definitely done a ton of work on his own so like he was in caddyshack uh he also was on snl for a while Uh, He is in National Lampoon's Vacation, Sixteen Candles, The Razor's Edge, Ghostbusters 2, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, then a great departure from most of what he does, which is comedy, JFK. Uh, He's in Wayne's World, Mm -hmm. comes back with his brother for Groundhog Day. He's in Waiting for Guffman, As Good As It Gets. And he's done TV too. He was on the TV series. So the reason why I... Put this one in. So he hope, was.
0: Yeah. What are you going to bring up? Which one? Yes, dear. Okay. And the reason one.
1: why I'm bringing that up is that is literally the only show that I've ever sat in the audience for.
0: Oh, that's yeah. fun.
1: Eh. It's, I mean. It's not as
0: much fun to sit in the audience, is it?
1: No, it's really not. <laughs> I mean, like, I guess if for ever, anybody out there, if you ever get the chance to be part of like a live studio audience, sure, do it. Because it's like an experience to be had. But it is, it is long. You're yeah. sitting there for a long time. You have to like, you know, they do multiple got a hype, takes. Hype person, get hyped hype up. Hype person, yep, you sure do. And yeah, and like you, you, you're almost performing because you're expected to like be delivering laughs at certain moments mm-hmm. uh, to support the show. So, he also was on the show The Middle. He is also a voice actor, and yeah.
0: he has such a distinctive voice. Oh, for like, sure. I'm not surprised. Kind that, of that gravelly. Yeah, yeah.
1: So he's been a voice actor for SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay. And he also was on the show Lodge 49. And then and just in general, a ton he's, of TV work.
0: He's on one of the most bizarre TV series that I've ever seen. And it wasn't on for very long, but it starred him and Chris Elliott. And it's called Get a Life.
1: Yes. And
0: Chris Elliott was like a 30-something-year-old guy who's living with his parents. Uh, Brian Doyle-Murray was his dad. And okay. he's just a, a, a paper boy so he's like riding his bike and delivering papers the and dad is no uh chris, chris elliott, elliott. okay yeah it's
1: I it's a really
0: it. like weird weird show
1: from, that checks uh, out i
0: think the 90s yeah yeah was-
1: that checks out um yeah so that is him okay so just to wrap up we have mary ellen trainer so she is like that blonde executive i thought you were about to say mary lou retton No, I'll bring her. I am bringing her up. Uh, That's kind of funny. No, so she is the executive who is, like, kind of aligned with Frank, but then also is a little bit of a truth teller to him. She's
0: real excited about the 80-year-old that dies of fright from his commercial. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But but she, I mean, if I remember correctly, she's telling him that in, like, a warning kind of way. Like... I, it feels like it starts off that way,
0: and then based on his reaction, like he's she's so like, excited. Oh, this is great! Yeah, okay. yeah. There was something. Fair. There was something going on there.
1: Fair. Yeah. So uh, she is brought up a couple times because, if I'm remembering correctly, I didn't really talk about her at length for episode three of The Goonies, in which she she's Mrs. Walsh. Yeah. She's Mikey and Brand's mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then more recently, we also bring her up because she's in episode 17, "Romancing the Stone." She is Kathleen Turner's sister. Isn't she also in Die Hard? She is. We totally skipped that. Yeah, but we've given her we've given her a lot. We've given her a lot. Yeah. So, um, okay. So going off of what you just mentioned, so there are a ton of like just super random cameos in this movie because of the movie within a movie. Yeah, that is a yeah, TV show within a movie. It's
0: crazy. Like the cast. If you just look at the cast without thinking of like the context, other they're right. all in like these really You're brief like, cameos. Holy, wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, but and just a couple of them. I mean, there there are more, but like Jamie Farr, Robert Goulet, Buddy Hackett, Lee Majors, and Mary Lou Ryan. Mm-hmm. So, okay, moving on to film synopsis. Oh, is
0: there's a synopsis for this? Is it? it there's just always say, a like, synopsis. It should just say a Christmas Carol.
1: But it's not. You made a point of saying that it's not.
0: It's not. It's uh, inspired by.
1: Inspired by, yeah, for sure. Okay, so here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. A selfish. Cynical television executive is haunted by three spirits bearing lessons on Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I hear that, but in my mind, it processes as TV exec a Christmas carol.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if a lot of work had to be done for the synopsis, (laughs) but it's very accurate. I mean, it works. So, yeah. And... Again, because I'm trying to think of the last time that we had one, because this is similar to Die Hard in which it happens in a very tight time frame.
0: Happens within like a day or two, right? It's
1: actually really similar to Die Hard in that. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. I I just put that together. So there's not really a montage.
0: Well, with a lot of like, you know, Christmas or holiday themed movies, it is generally all centered around like. A very short short time. amount of time
1: yeah, yeah that's actually a really good point well one major exception to that rule a christmas story no
0: two major exceptions
1: well christmas story is still pretty i mean it's a finite it starts
0: amount. like it, well at least you get like a month or so you get like the christmas yeah. season it's not like you know because he's still in school before sure. his school break whatever
1: no i'm talking about it's a wonderful life yes yeah i mean that spans Decades. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's one major, major outlier to that. But I, ge- I generally agree with you. That's actually a really, really great point. So, yeah, no montage. Sorry, folks. But uh, <laughs> this actually brings us, I mean, I'm ready to go. We should hop into our conversation with Michelle. I agree. Let's do it. And so we are absolutely thrilled because we have with us on the show Our very first returning guest, Michelle Lang. Michelle, welcome back. She's back. (laughs) So for all of you out there... Uh, if you have been following along with our podcast, and we hope you have, Michelle was with us for our episode on dirty dancing. And the reason being is that, you know, I know some people say like, oh, I'm such and such as biggest fan. Michelle really, really is yeah. the biggest dirty dancing fan. I think that's true. It's yeah. true. And so if for some reason you haven't caught that episode we definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that one because we had a great conversation with her then yeah. and we are equally excited to talk to her about scrooge today they're basically the same movie i mean <laughs> could they be any similar any more? Similar? <laughs> <laughs> and and this is a thrill for us because first of all we're right in the middle of our little trio of holiday movies that we're doing and besides knowing that michelle is so, like, A, you're a huge movie fan. Correct. B, you're a huge 80s movie fan. Correct. And C, you love the holidays.
2: <laughs> yes! So, this
1: is, like, the trifecta. Nice. So, so, we're super excited. And I think we have a lot to talk about yeah. with this movie. So, we're going to jump in. Okay. All right, Michelle. So, I don't know if you remember last time. Actually, I, you... Probably do because, like, you had a really awesome answer to this. Not to like set you up yeah. for like high, high standard, but um,
2: <laughs> I was very nervous
1: wondering Do you have a first memory of watching Scrooge? And if you do, what was that experience like? I do. Yay.
2: <laughs> I have a great memory. I see, of, of course, for Dirty Dancing, I remember the year, I remember all of that stuff. I don't remember the year, but I do remember. It was in our living room at my house uh, in um Desplaines, Illinois, with my brother, who is four years older than me, and I don't know if he had seen it already, but we watched it together. Like, we were sitting on, on the couch, you know, the tube television, and mm-hmm. oh, uh, yeah. it's starting, and I'm like, this is a Christmas movie? I remember <laughs> thinking, this just seems like... I don't know it didn't when I first started I was like this doesn't seem very what I'm used to and he's Mm -hmm. like laughing and laughing and I'm like why am I not laughing as much and then it was like all of a sudden when uh Carol Kane when Mm -hmm. he came into this into the movie that's when I lost my mind that's when I was like okay right this is the best movie you're right and so uh, my brother he was the one who had us watch it and then from then on, I think we watched it probably every holiday season together, me and my brother. And it's one of our all-time favorites that we watched together because we watched that. And um, Real Genius is another one yeah. that we've been watching together all the time. Um, but Scrooge, like, took it because Bill Murray is my brother, one of my brother's favorites. And, mm-hmm. I mean, how couldn't he be? He's mm-hmm. amazing. But... Um,
1: that's just, awesome. Yeah. I think, I think you actually, right off the bat, like you brought up a really good point about, you know, this idea of it being a, obviously it's a Christmas movie, sure. but I think, I think there's like something to be said for appreciating it more when you're a little bit older. Yeah. And I think that Bill Murray, like, I don't, I can't imagine anybody else in this role for this movie, no. but I do think that he's not necessarily like, I don't know. It's not that I want to say, like, he's not a kid friendly, but he he, like, I think
0: he's not. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, the humor is is a little bit more skewed for adults, would you say? Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, Well, I mean, how far do we get into the movie before the nipple joke?
1: Oh, my God. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We're not even that far into it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, I don't know why I just like completely blocked this out of my mind. But when we were because we were watching it last night and I was like. Oh, you really look. You can barely see your nipples. No, you really can barely see them. You really can. (laughs) They are
2: there. there.
1: (laughs) Uh, Which I was like, how fascinating! (laughs) Like this holiday movie, you can actually see half half a nipple. I mean, I guess you would actually say like areola. I think that's like the technical term.
0: What you (laughs) see is nipple adjacent.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So. I'm curious, like, with – okay, so you already made a choice like, – or you already said that, um, you know, when you were a wee little girl, maybe some of the humor was going over your head. Right, right. Do you, do you feel like as – so totally makes sense that, like, you start to just have, like, a fondness for a film if you watch it over and over again, and you talked about how, like, this has become kind of a tradition or yeah. it was a tradition for, like, you and your brother – Do you feel like that is something that's like grown on you? The appreciation for the film as you've gotten older?
2: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it definitely, every time I watch it, it makes me think of my brother and like times Mm. that we watched it together. And like, cause he can, he remembers lines from this movie more than I can. Cause I remember lines from uh, every movie, I think. Right. (laughs) He's definitely got more of these lines remember memorized. And um, it definitely makes me, I think like the movie movie even more because of that memory of my brother and I watching it, but it's so funny and dark. And I just, it's such a great movie. There's so many strange little levels to this movie. And I just, i, I it's, it's so good. <laughs> it really it, is. It's such
1: a good movie. It's a great movie. And I actually think that, um, cause like, okay, so we'll maybe get this like elephant in the room out of the way. Okay. There's an elephant in the room? <laughs> L- yeah, literally. So <laughs> the elephant in the room is that we... Like, I don't know if you've heard, Michelle, that, like, there was maybe a little bit of a difference of opinion oh. between Bill Murray and Richard Donner, the director, okay. of how to portray this character. I hadn't and, heard. I had yeah. heard. Just, just, you know, I think that... um. For whatever reason, Bill Murray actually wanted to kind of have maybe a little bit more of a subtle depiction of Frank Cross. And from what I've read – and, you know, of course, take everything with a grain of salt. But, sure. um, but that Donner wanted it to be bigger and louder. Yes. And it, you know, ultimately went that way because he was the director of the film. Right. But that being said, I do think that, that like, to your point – even though a lot of it, I think people's first impression is like, it's kind of this loud, boisterous performance by Murray. Yeah. There's actually a lot of subtlety there in is so different.
2: subtlety. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, no, not at all. And mm-hmm. I mean, the one scene in particular that I'm thinking about is when he comes across the homeless man, Herman, who. Yes. 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 <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And. Last night when we were watching it, I I was actually moved yeah. by that. And, I mean, I've seen the movie a million times. Um, and I I think I forget every time that there are these, like, quieter moments. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I guess, then going to throw it to you, like, when you're thinking of the movie Scrooged, I mean, are you – are you more drawn to the film for the humor or do you like also kind of you know feel those yeah. same feelings like those quiet moments in the film? Right.
2: So, I mean, if I'm saying what I'm drawn to, it's definitely the humor, right? It's mm-hmm. definitely the wild parts of it. But um there's also that connection that you make be- because of those sweet moments because you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's hilarious, but also I just got a little teary-eyed and it's pretty cool that, you know, a movie does that to you. And like, you think about it only for like, when I think about it, I think about it mainly for, you know, the scene with the boss in the office, mm-hmm, the, crazy, mm-hmm. the yeah, the, the ghost, uh, Carol Kane, all of those, like those moments are so hilarious to me. But then like you said, the men, you mentioned the, the scene that makes me get, like, oh my goodness, like, mm-hmm. a little choked up is the Herman scene all mm-hmm. the time. And his final speech in the movie, like, you mm-hmm. can see, like, every time I see that, I'm like, I don't think he's on script at all. Like, it felt like what mm-hmm. he was saying in that final scene of the movie, like, that felt like it was all coming out from making the movie. Like, that, mm-hmm. I feel like that was actually Bill saying, man, I got to wake up and realize, you know, it's. I got to be good to people. You can't be this asshole to everybody, you know, and, and be a good person. Like it felt real when he delivers that end speech. It feels like you're watching bill saying that from him. It's, it's interesting.
0: The moments in the movie where it feels the realest for me or when he's not as like crazy and screaming yeah. when, you know, especially like earlier with, with uh, Carol Kane and, he was he the the ghost of was the cab driver. That was the past, past, right? Mm -hmm. So, and there are these moments when they kind of look at him yeah and Mm -hmm. he's watching these things unfold and you can see kind of like the regret in his face. And, you know, they have these like smug looks like, yeah, you bet you wish you fucking didn't do that. Right. But like Murray's reaction is great. And when Anna told me about this potential, you know, rift between Donner and Murray, I found it really believable because it it sounds like this was the, the first movie that he starred in after Ghostbusters. And especially after seeing Murray in so many other films after Scrooge, I think we all know that there's like this understated, subtle quality to his comedy. Yeah, and that's when it's really at its best. And so for him to just be kind of going crazy during parts of it, I don't think I thought about it when I first saw it. I, I saw it in the theater because I'm old, but, um, <laughs> Now, when I when I watch it, I, and after having seen all those other Bill Murray movies, I, I do kind of wish that it was just dialed down a little bit mm-hmm. in some of those. Sure. But I, then you have Bobcat, Goldthwaite, so it's like, um. oh, anything's for <laughs> a game.
2: Oh my God, I love him. Is he not like the craziest, and everything about Bobcat, he's, and it, it like, I would love to have just a conversation with him, like, on the right? phone. Right? Right? i mean just imagine how that would go i mean it's just unbelievable
1: (laughs) he and, and i thought you know while we were watching it last night i was thinking about what an interesting casting choice that was yeah to have him be that person and you know i'll be very honest the you know kind of uh I don't even know how you say it, but like his affected voice yeah. that he that right. he has. Yes. It's not exactly my thing.
0: It's an acquired taste that it's I have an, not acquired.
1: Yeah, and and that is an affected voice. Like that's not his true voice. I'm not trying to be disparaging towards just who he is. Yeah. Um, He does it for performance sake. But that being said, I do think it works for the film. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it adds a little, because like I think it gives him a little bit more vulnerability vulnerability yeah. you know and he has
0: lost it all by the yeah. time like so you you see a little bit of him at the beginning when he's like the one person questioning murray's decision mm-hmm. to have like this apocalyptic scrooge commercial and he's like we've already been running this other one and it's great and then he gets fired and then you see him i think you know, a lot more once he's like loaded and has mm-hmm. a shotgun mm-hmm. and then it, then it all makes sense The like the affected voice and everything mm-hmm. else kind of works a little bit better.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that character is like the most tightly wound, tightly bound person. Like that voice, I feel like it, it is perfect for that character because it's like at, at a, at a point, at what point does this poor guy, what's his name? Is it, is it Lou? No, that's the boss.
1: His in the in the film it's Elliot.
2: Elliot. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point does Elliot finally get to take a deep breath and be like, Oh, okay, I I can breathe. I can I got this. Everything is gonna be fine. <laughs>
0: Probably after he's arrested, shortly <laughs> after the movie ends.
1: <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that uh, that was something that actually came to mind, exactly what you just said, Michelle. When yeah. when he is in uh, Frank's office with him yeah. and first kind of confronts him with the shotgun. First of all, I got to say, because this usually comes up in any episode, I was like, OK, so that probably wouldn't happen maybe today with. Sure. The whole. Yeah. So that being said.
0: Well, um, a lot of things wouldn't happen. I don't think Claire would have just like, so I got your message and I couldn't what? get in touch with you. So I just showed up on this. Site. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get to Claire. Claire is a really interesting character in the film. So I definitely want to talk about her. She
0: puts up with a lot. She
1: puts up with a lot. But oh. um, going back to him, I mean, I. I think that um, when he comes into that office and he's confronting Frank, first of all, like agreeing with both points, I think that it's gotten to the point that like it makes sense that he would be in this very uh, desperate situation yeah. and makes this decision. But at the same time, when Frank makes the one eighty and he's like, "I'm going to double your salary," I'm yeah. going to, you know, and he's saying all these things. I was thinking to myself. You know, can he really trust him? Because Frank just seems kind of crazy. You yeah. know, when he's addressing him this way, get that and, in writing, man. And I, yeah, get it in <laughs> writing. And I actually think that Bobcat does an excellent job of showing that on his face. I think you can see that he's like, this is incredible, but is this really what's happening right now? I know, and I thought his glasses all fogged up. And yeah, up right off his face. And so <laughs> I, I thought that that was actually really amazing acting because at least for me i don't think i'm projecting i i think i can actually see read it in his face that he's like should i be believing this and the only it, it's only when he finally kind of has control of the control room and he mm. is you know aligned now with frank that like he kind of tr- like yeah he's probably going to get in a lot of trouble <laughs> after the film is <laughs> over oh yeah but that he finally trusts frank and you know it's it it was a really interesting performance. So I, I really liked that, that it was, um, I don't know, just something different. And, and, and it didn't necessarily tie up all the loose ends, which is more realistic. Right. Um, but it was more believable in that way. Right. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah. That and yeah. I mean, going back to what I think it's probably, you know, she's such a, huge character in the film that it we don't have to wait too long to jump into talking about claire yeah and i i'm gonna throw it to you first michelle like how how do you feel about this character
2: i don't know i never connected to her as much as i connected to all the other characters
1: (laughs) interesting do you know. know why I feel like she was weak
2: and wimpy. Ah. Yeah, I know what you said, right? I mean, she's very weak and wimpy. I love Grace. His,
0: yeah, uh, exactly.
2: Secretary, God, I love her. Um, but yeah, I felt like Claire was just wimpy. Like I don't even know why he's, you know, like the end of the movie. It's like that's that's the one thing. That's she's the one that's going to make him happy. No way. yeah i mean giant and, and and wild and she's so meek and i don't know
0: it's it's interesting because in in what is obviously just like a remake of a christmas carol ebenezer like he doesn't find his redemption through getting back together with his lost romance he just decides to be a good person right and it feels like that's they're like they're really tying something bring something different into the story by like by connecting Claire and and uh Foster. Frank? Frank,
1: yeah. Frank Foster right. Foster? No, Frank Cross. Cross,
0: yeah. that's it. I'm getting every name wrong. I have watched this movie before. <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I call I just always call him Bill Murray in everything he's in.
1: Oh yeah, Bill Murray. I mean that's fine. You can call him by his name. Yeah. Um cool. I mean I I find it so interesting what you said Michelle because I think we look at it at the same way but my whole take on it was that okay. For, for, first of all, I think perhaps okay. So Karen Allen, Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? Marion Ravenwood is such an iconic character and such a strong character. Yeah, and she Literally. can really hold her own. I mean, yeah. it's they make they make no no claims otherwise. Like she she's right there. She's legit. She's legit. I think that maybe for individuals who saw her in that first or just in general grew up with Raiders the way that I did. Right. I think it could be a little difficult to see her in this role um, because of all the things that you said. Yeah. And while on the one hand, because she's kind of, quote, the most normal in a way, like she doesn't really have any... Like like she works at a homeless shelter and she's this like very kind of mother earth type figure and she doesn't want them Snape stapling, you know, fake reindeer horns to mice and no one wanted that nobody wanted that nobody wanted that right nobody wanted that but um you know so she is just like all love and all like loving kindness and all of that but like you said I think there's there is kind of this like weakness only because if I were her kind of to your earlier point, Derek, if this guy who had ultimately kind of treated me like trash right, and kind of threw away what was once this really amazing relationship, all of a sudden calls you up 15 years later and is like, I got like, it. Like, obviously is frantic. Her response to that Yeah. Seemed very odd because she just like took it at very much face value, immediately shows up. Yeah. And it's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? (laughs) Like it just seemed kind of odd. Her life,
0: her life was fine without Bill Murray in it. Like like she's almost worse for him like dragging her back into all of this. Unless, of course, you believe I think it was the ghost of Christmas Future that showed her morphing into Cruella Deville. (gasps) Yeah. What? You know, that was, that was so weird. That, that was, was so weird.
2: So weird.
1: Well, I want to ask your opinion on that because that is something that I think there's a, like a little bit of gray area. So here's how I interpreted that possible future. Okay. I interpreted that as that she and Frank do get together and basically too much of Frank rubs off on her. Of course. Mm. Is Agreed. that how you interpreted oh,
2: it? Oh yeah, that's exactly how I took it. Like that they ended up together and they were together and and he totally changed her into some monster person. Yeah.
1: Okay. Derek. Okay. What about you, Derek?
0: I took it as this, this like crossroads where they met again, but then did not get together. Somehow left her in this state where she just kind of Stop. turned into a different person. Like, because huh. she kind of talks about like someone told me, gave me this advice to, to like, look out for yourself. Mm. So it made me think that like, they weren't still together. And for whatever reason, she's like grown on to become this like incredibly bitter, awful person. So that's kind of how I looked at it.
2: So going off of what you said, Derek, about how they could just have been friends and not really gotten back together, or maybe just introduced like, uh, just kind of saw each other yeah i don't see how somebody could change that drastically especially a character like hers it's true Her, uh, i was I, distracted
0: I mean, looking for all the dalmatians
2: <laughs> no kidding <laughs> it's, it's just such a it's just such an interesting part of that movie but because the movie in it in in whole like the whole entire movie is so great it doesn't bother me that much that she's not my favorite. Like sometimes, yeah. I can't get past that in movies when there's such a terrible <laughs> character. But for this one, she's
0: I'm not happy. that bad.
1: No, yeah, I what mean, do it's I mean. It's just no, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think I think you have a valid point because, um, tonally. There is a disconnect between the way that Karen Allen plays her character and the way that Bill Murray plays her plays his character, which, again, kind of goes back to this conversation that, you know, we were having about how much he wanted to portray the more kind of uh, hyper aspects of the character, you know, like, so maybe he wanted to be more in line with the way that she was and and not quite this like really kind of frenetic type of persona but who who knows i mean um as far as them getting together in the end i mean i agree with what you were saying derek that like it's it's completely the prerogative of the screenwriters to like update and kind of like do something fresh with the material and we all know that a christmas carol has been done time and time and time again so like i don't have any problem with him having like a love interest that helps with his redemption.
0: Sure. Um, Here's, here's one thing though, that, that is kind of interesting is that they presented his vision of what she would turn out to be, but it didn't really seem like that was as much his driving force for changing. Right. Like it was one of the things, but, but it was kind of like when he sees her at the end, it's not like, Oh, I'm so glad that I can like stop this from happening. You know, so it's it's a weird, weird part of the story where like, OK, yeah, this this sucks. I don't want her to turn into Cruella Deville but uh, also this guy died and these other things are happening. So, yeah, I'll change.
1: Yeah. And
0: also I'm going to die while I'm like burning alive in a uh, coffin. <laughs> or was it a casket? I get those confused.
1: Uh I mean, I think they usually refer to them as caskets.
0: He was in a box. He
1: was in a box. He was in a box. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it was interesting the way that it was presented and he, he didn't. It wasn't like when he saw her that he was like glad that she was there because of that as much as it was just because this is like the love interest. Mm -hmm. So I don't know.
1: I mean, I guess I'll throw this out to you. I kind of hate when people do this to me. So I apologize, Michelle. (laughs) But do it. If you like I'm putting because I'm completely putting you on the spot. But like, is there somebody else that you can think of that? you feel would have made maybe a better love interest for Bill Murray's character, like actresses.
2: Oh, huh. I, I guess I never, I never thought of it. Mm -hmm. Like Derek said, I just don't think that it was because of that love interest that changed him specifically. I think there was a lot more to it. But I will think about it, and I can hopefully think of somebody before, oh, <laughs> before we end. I'm I gonna say Carol
0: so- Kane. I really like their. Uh, I think they had a great dynamic. Oh, I, I think yeah. that could work.
1: She, yeah. Let's let's talk about Carol Kane. I mean, first of all, she sounds like a very lovely person because from what I read, she oh, really man. hated yeah. how physical she had to be with <laughs> I Bill know, Murray. Too, yeah. Which I think is hilarious, and I, in fact, like that scene where she pulls on his lower lip. She actually ripped uh, the skin oh, oh, god. that, so he actually was like injured yeah. <laughs> because of that. Um,
0: so, did it, like rip that little like? <laughs> yes, yes, finger, like yes, yes, oh. Uh, yes, Oh my
1: god, no. it's awful. Um, I mean, she's another really interesting character because one thing I'm noticing in this movie between. Bill Murray and Bobcat Goldwaith and her, they kind of all bring this like frenetic energy to to the film, or or at least are known as like kind of actors who can bring in that kind of frenetic energy. Right. I guess I should say. So how did you feel about her depiction of Ghost of Christmas Present?
2: Stellar. Perfection. Wouldn't change a thing. Love her so much. Her maniacal laugh and giggle like that. Yes. Sweet giggle where you're almost listening to it and you think that is kind of cute. And then you're like, that's not cute at all. That's terrifying. <laughs> I love her. I love her so much. Uh, the, in the, what was it called? The ball breaker suite. I
0: think. That's yes. Her, the I very, think. her intro. Yeah. Her
2: intro jeez it's like what a setup because you read that sign and you're you're like what is about to happen this is i knew
0: i (laughs) I had a good
2: guess (laughs) it is just too funny and she literally breaks a ball immediately like she goes right for his balls and it's so (laughs) hilarious (laughs) that little wind up when they pull her backwards and then swing her forward oh my god
0: i love how it's like This person is so obviously on some wires and just like swinging her little (laughs) arms around. I don't, I don't know why when I first saw it, I really, I really actually did not. Like, I thought it was, there were some like funny moments with her, but I like watching it now. I'm like, oh yeah, I really actually like the ghost of Christmas present. I like how much that she's enjoying making bill Murray's character feel like complete shit
2: (laughs) like and utter shit. Yes.
0: Yeah. She, there's like this sadistic quality where she's just like, and I think the ghost of Christmas past in other like portrayals of the story, there's always been kind of that, like, like not enjoyment, but like smugness about like,
2: there's something different. Like, Yeah. Here I'm going to show you
0: all the things that you've done wrong in the past. Mm. You can see them, but seeing like right now, currently live, how you're fucking up not only your life but other people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like this different quality about the the ghost of Christmas present, and I and I really dug how much she physically injured him this time.
2: Yes, yeah, I completely, I totally agree. the The toaster scene, Jesus, yeah. It's so like, where this? To-
1: <laughs> oh my god! I, I mean. I, I mean, I think the thing that really works about her character is something that you said just a minute ago, Michelle, in that, like, there's this duality where she has this, like, great innocence about her yeah. in terms of how she speaks and how she looks. Yeah. But then she does have this, like really sadistic dark side to her like the one moment where she like lowers her voice and she just like (laughs) it's it's amazing like she she, yeah she does such a great job and i think because she is such kind of usually a big personality in the things that she does it works great here because i think it's actually really similar to um Derek, what we were talking about with like Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice that kind of sometimes less is more. And so she she really packs a punch literally and figuratively. But I think it works that she she kind of is confined to this like middle section of the film because I think it it definitely keeps the humor vibrant for her to have this short bit where she's essentially like you both said, you know, beating beating on him but if that was something that was like continuing through most of the movie I think that would get old she takes
0: it from Murray like throughout most of the movie where he's kind of like going crazy during all these scenes he's a little bit more subdued with the ghost of Christmas present Mm -hmm. because she's now like the one who is by far the craziest person Mm -hmm. in every scene Mm -hmm. like he'd kind of snap back at her a few times but she's she's definitely in control
1: Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean she she was great. She was perfect. And actually, I think that again, I really liked all the casting choices in this movie. I mean, even Karen Allen. I think that if she had just maybe been a little bit sassier, um, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't know if like either of her own choice or Donner, you know, they were like, "Don't be Marion Ravenwood." I who knows? Who knows what's what's said? Um, so they I don't, probably said that. You know, I don't know if that was like something that was like conscientious on her part or Donner's. But in any case, I think that overall all the casting choices were really strong and I actually really liked the ghost of Christmas past. Um, I think that that was a great way to kind of introduce us to this like heightened reality of what Frank is going to be experiencing. And I thought that, I mean, I, I, don't want to keep just saying like I thought, I thought like, but I am curious, Michelle, the, the scene where Frank is watching his four year old self. Right. How, how did you take to or not take to that particular scene with like the mom who's pregnant and smoking and the dad who comes (laughs) home with a slice of veal for him for Christmas.
2: Right. Right. And then he just was watched by the television. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, but that was, that was something um, big in the 80s, I feel like. There were mm-hmm. a lot of movies that had that scene, right? Where kids mm-hmm. were sucked into the TV, and that's what they watched, and that's who their babysitter was. And then, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, it was heartbreaking, right? Mm-hmm. It was it, mm-hmm. a totally heartbreaking scene. And, you know, but the mom being pregnant and smoking, I feel like that happened all the time then, right? I yeah. don't think that was yeah. like... <laughs>
1: I mean, it made me go, "Whoa, I had kind of like missed that I think on a previous viewing." Cuz
0: that's not even what you're supposed to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> I I thought that that was again like an interesting choice that they had her do that and I I mean, along with the Herman scene, mm. I I think they again did a great job of even though Frank, you know, out the gate is Portrayed as this like really unlikable character. I think that they did a really great job of giving context for why he is how he is.
0: He's unlikable, but he's sympathetic.
1: Yeah. And I, it really broke my heart. I don't know. There's just something. And actually I have to kind of give credit to like that child actor because he was, Yeah. yeah, so sweet and so innocent. And you really feel for him because I think that the thing that is the most heartbreaking is a child who doesn't get to, if they choose to celebrate this particular holiday, but like if, you know, a child can't have a Christmas.
2: Yeah. No kidding. It's terrible. It's awful. It It is heartbreaking. And you definitely do start to feel like, oh my gosh, this is what formed him into the mm-hmm. cold person that he is. It's, you know, then you're like, well, it's not his fault then. So mm-hmm. I do really Feel you, you do start to feel for Frank more than probably would have in the very beginning of the movie for sure, and you see, like you know, these are your what forms you right? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think is sad, which I think a lot of people don't really maybe like think about when they think about this movie, right? That there actually is a lot of depth to it and explaining why this character is the way which actually i think is actually a really great pivot from the original version of a christmas carol yeah because at least to my knowledge in other okay look i never read the book so i can't claim to know the source material but from the many 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 (laughs) other versions of this story that i've seen There's nothing about Ebenezer Scrooge that to me, I like picked up on trauma in his life that caused him to be the way like he is, he has agency and makes it an active choice to step away from his fiance and to step away from those who love him and to make his focus money.
0: Yeah. The greed, his greed corrupted him. And you see that at a younger age. And that's kind of like what I think most everyone is familiar with as far as the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. So to see him as a kid in this version and see why he may have taken that path. Yeah. I think was an important part of it. And it also is just another reason why I wish so much of the rest of the movie wasn't just him yelling.
1: Yeah. Cause it oh. kind of
0: takes away from that.
1: It again, it's really interesting. I mean, they're there, in the things that I read. Um, They make a point of saying that this was the first time that Bill Murray was, quote, carrying a film. Yeah. And usually he is part of more of a ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A la Ghostbusters. Right, right. So, you know, Michelle, I know at like the top of our conversation, you were talking about, you know, you and your brother watching this and what a big Bill Murray fan he is of what what a big yeah bill murray fan he is right full stop period (laughs) And, (laughs) and so has has he ever talked to you about like in terms of like different performances you know is this like his favorite murray movie like how does how does he kind of rank this
2: i mean it's definitely i think it makes the top top of the heap but i know he also loves and we all love uh groundhog day Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I—that makes me come back to my answer. Oh, I'm so glad you asked this. <laughs> okay.
1: oh, it all comes full it circle. All
2: comes for full circle. So you asked who who could have played possibly a more desirable. Oh. Yeah, a role for me for uh Karen. Wait, what's her name? Now I can't. Claire. Claire,
1: Claire, Karen. What her,
2: oh, her name is Karen? But
1: her name oh, is Karen, so yes. it's all good. She
0: is not. she's not a Karen, though.
1: She's not. a Karen. No, she's not a Karen. No, no, she's not.
2: Thank goodness. Um, but there you go. The, um, the the his co-star in Groundhog Day could have. Oh, sure, sure, Claire.
1: Right, my yeah. Her name. She would have been a great Claire. Andy Ooh. Dowell. Wait, Andy, Andy McDowell. McDowell, yes. Yeah. Andy McDowell would have been a great one. Man, they really, I'm just realizing, they really like pairing up Bill Murray with brunettes. Yes,
2: they do. I wonder if that's something.
1: <laughs> <big time laughs> I'm, I'm really just not.
0: nodding. I'm just like thinking, <laughs> thinking, <laughs> nodding. Yes. Yeah. Which,
1: okay, so this is a total random aside, and we'll totally get back to, um, because I think there's actually an interesting comparison between him in this movie and him in Groundhog Bay. Absolutely. Um, But I don't know if you noticed, like. At the very end of the movie, after he gives his great speech, which I totally agree with you, I think that that is a really sincere monologue and that also is just like a great way to kind of, you know, bring a resolution to this particular story. But when he kisses... Claire, (laughs) the way he kisses Claire is exactly the way he kisses Sigourney Weaver at the end of Ghostbusters. Like he has this like signature way. He's got Uh his movie kiss. Yeah, he has like his movie kiss. And it's like so funny to me to like he has like this way that he does it. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, even in um, Meatballs when he oh, kissed that is
0: a he, deep cut yeah
1: he like he just anyway it's, it's probably like a little bit creepy that i'm spending so much time talking about the way bill murray kisses his co-stars it's a little.
2: but there's like well, a, you are a brunette anna so
1: maybe and I, am- <laughs> <laughs> I pay particular attention um but yeah i mean getting back to uh what you so i know you brought it up because of andy mcdowell but actually yeah. i think that there's something there because between that and Derek, what you were saying earlier about his more, I guess you would say, understated performances. Yeah, I think there's like, I think Groundhog Day is kind of this uh, interesting transitional role. God, love that movie so. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, no, I think you're right because he there is certainly a lot more of that movie where he's kind of being like just an asshole, but mm-hmm. an understated asshole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, less of like the you know crazy wild
1: in your face manic
0: type of stuff. Yeah, no.
1: yeah. Because he go he leaps from that to all those films that you were talking about right. later in his career.
2: So look yeah. at that. And you said that the director Richard mm-hmm. Donner mm-hmm. wanted him to play it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he went on to Groundhog Day and got to play it down.
1: Hmm. Look at that. Yep. <laughs> See. <laughs> and so but what's what's also really interesting is like. I, <laughs> So I I don't want to go I, I hate kind of veering into territory where we're just like making assumptions. Let's do it. But
0: <laughs> 80s movie assumptions. I
1: think I think that Bill Murray. Okay, so people probably think of him first and foremost as like a comedian, the guy right. from SNL. Yeah. Right. But now as we're kind of talking about his performances and where his career has gone, I think that he actually maybe takes more seriously his his roles and his performances that maybe some people give him credit for. Cause right. I think sometimes when someone's a comedian, you think, oh whatever, they just like like to have fun and make people laugh. And and people just in general don't take comedies as seriously as yes. as as dramas. True. Yeah. But you know, I also unfor- I mean I think this is probably more common knowledge that he also had a falling out with Harold Ramis mm, on yeah. Groundhog Day. Yeah. I don't exactly know the nature of it. I think he had some kind of pretty intense personal stuff going on that um, bled into his professional um, demeanor. Onset is is kind of what I've heard. Uh, I don't want to go too far into it because it's just not really my business. But I think that, like, sometimes conflict just shows that you care. Yeah. Yeah. And and although I think he did an excellent job on Groundhog Day, I'm wondering if like sometimes the like quote difficult things that you hear just come out of him really caring and wanting to be treated like uh taken seriously.
2: Right. No, I completely agree with you. I, I feel like it's 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 a it's a shame what happens to actors. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, but it is. Like you know, they're told to, you know, make, do this performance so that billions of people can watch you and you better get it right and and be funny and be perfect and, and be, have the correct timing and stand here and look there and make sure, you know, you also live your own life, but you've got to be this character on screen. It's hard. It's strange. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, and for comedians, as you know, I'm sure it's even harder because most comedians are Dark and twisted mm. and hurt people. Mm-hmm. You know, how many mm-hmm. have died from overdoses? Mm-hmm. How many have died from suicide? Like it's wild to think these people who you you depend on to make you laugh and like get mad at if they do a bad movie or mm-hmm. if they try and break out of their comedic role and do something else and because that's not the only person they want to be. I, I can't even imagine. I truly cannot. It's such a twisted world.
1: Michelle, I mean, you brought up just yeah. several really wonderful points. And I think you're absolutely spot on. I mean, to to what you were just saying, like, absolutely. John Belushi, Chris yeah. Farley, Robin yeah. Williams. Yeah. You know, these people that, you know, so how, gifted. How did he die? He was born, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That was another tragic, Sorry. really. I mean, not of his own hand, but right. nonetheless tragic. And... Yeah. Um, You know, we we are very lucky that we had these people for a short amount of time who brought such joy yeah. to our lives. But I think that there is a very heavy, heavy burden sometimes Big. placed on comedians to to be that person when yeah. they're just they're just human beings, you know, and they they can't be on. All the time, yeah. And I I hear that a lot about how people might have a chance encounter with somebody who's a comedian, and when they're not this Say like something funny. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. Yeah. You know what's what
2: is pretty funny? If, if perfect timing again, man, you guys are good at this. What do you do this often? Oh,
1: oh, <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah. it's nice, nice to hear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Uh, I had a friend who went to a Cubs game. This was, I don't know, mm. probably over 10 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago or, or more, who knows? Um, anyway, <laughs> 15 <whatever>. years ago. <laughs> 15 or more, right? Um, there, it's it's a, a, male, a male friend and he goes to the bathroom in the middle of the Cubs game, whatever. And he's peeing in the trough because apparently that's what you pee in at the stadium at... at
1: uh, I've heard it gets pretty nasty. pretty nasty. I don't know if they've yeah. replaced that or, or not, but yeah. We it's... once went to a Cubs, just total yeah. sidebar, but we once went to a Cubs game and it was a. Uh, didn't you say it was like overflowing? It was like Yeah,
0: look, here's my advice for any place <laughs> any place you may go to with with trough urinals, wear shoes. Don't wear flip-flops.
2: And don't be across from someone.
0: <laughs> well. No, you don't want to be a crowd. That is definitely not how it, how it works. That's not how it should work.
1: Oh, Michelle! Oh, <laughs> Something I did not think we were going to be talking about no, on this definitely, podcast. Definitely. Sorry, we're interrupting. We're interrupting. But I think I know where it's going. But please proceed. Yeah. So, so he's
2: in the bathroom. He's obviously using the the trough, and he looks to his side, and it's Bill Murray. And he goes, "Whoa, dude, you're Bill Murray." And Bill Murray looks at him and goes, yeah, and I'm fucking pissing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like that moment, like, right? Like, he can't even pee. Like, someone's got to be up in his face. Like, he's taking a pee-pee.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> too, too hard no, but that. that's that's so, it, it really, really brings home i mean i know it's like this funny yeah. kind of absurd aside but like that really does speak to how difficult it can be yeah To exactly. and and that's why like i i get that sometimes uh you know more ser- quote serious actors yeah. i think sometimes they have an easier time sure absolutely. of of separating professional from personal life and i mean again i'm i'm doing a little bit of a of assuming here sure. but you know Comedians, because they bring so much joy, and sometimes seem like more relatable and more like your buddy or your friend. Yeah, they seem more approachable, and and so they're probably just constantly oh, absolutely getting harassed. And because they're these funny guys or funny girls, right? When when they funny just, people, funny people, when yeah. they just kind of want to be left alone, as they have the right to be. Exactly. People get upset and up in arms about it and like what a dick you know and yeah. I, I just wanted to tell him I was a fan well he probably gets that <laughs> 50 times a day exactly. you know and uh, I don't know I, yeah. I, so I anyway think- sorry like no,
2: that's okay but he, he wasn't uh, he, even after he said yeah I'm f- f- fucking pissing um, <laughs> my friend was like he, I, I was like dude you're you your right or he said something and Bill was sweet like he was like no no problem I get it like he was a really good guy so in case you're yeah. looking at Bill because this is an awesome podcast <laughs> you
1: are a nice man and you were really friendly to my friend (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing that's i mean i've never i mean now it's honestly become lore yeah this idea of getting to meet bill murray and how he's always like supposedly saying like nobody's gonna ever believe you because of meeting him i've heard that you know in part that's why he lives i'm like he again i'm getting too far down this personal life rabbit hole but like he lives on the east coast uh to kind of stay away from hollywood and you know yeah. michelle and i know derek knows this too, but you know michelle and i are both from chicago bill murray is from chicago Woo. um we're all Cubs fans yeah. um and you know he obviously makes trips there because I see him all the time at Cubs game. I person not yeah. personally, but on like TV or whatever. Because they we always make to. a point of
0: we've we've probably seen cardboard cutouts of him.
1: No, sure, sure. Right. So yes, he loves his hometown, but like I totally get why he kind of is like off off the beaten path and kind of living yeah. elsewhere to just have some semblance of a normal life.
0: You know, what was off the beaten path for me was in Scrooge. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> Uh, what I didn't realize was that if you let the credits play, there's like a little post credit scene with him.
1: Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that.
0: I've never seen it until last night. Yeah. But there's like another. It's like, like a
1: second. It's, oh. it's, a, it's not like a Marvel post-credit. No, there's yeah. no Thanos
0: or anything. Yeah. In yeah. It, but <laughs> like if you let the credits go for a while, he's in it like real briefly again with like the title Scrooged. And then it, then it goes on to the rest of everything. Oh. Yeah.
2: I'll have to try. I'll have to wait and watch. Oh, I, I mean, it's just such a great one. And and can we talk about the amazing face of the ghost of Christmas past? Yes. That, that actor. Holy crap. He in real life has an interesting face.
1: Makeup. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, okay. So for everybody out there, if you can't, you know, place that face sure so his his real his given name is david johansson
2: johansson yeah
1: but i think most people know him as his alter ego which is buster poindexter
0: Mm -hmm. that's what i knew him as yeah Yeah. i was very confused when i saw the credits and i'm like who's this guy
1: yeah and poindexter why don't i know that he well he is He's more in the world of music. Yeah. Um and I don't know if this was like a relationship fostered through like I don't know if he got his role maybe he did um through Bill Murray cuz like he used to be a musical guest on SNL quite a bit.
0: The song Hot Hot Hot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. Michelle, I neither one of us should really yeah. be singing that song. We're just not singers, but like
0: that's I'll, say, just, I'll just say that, the words. Yeah. yeah. That's hot, the hot. song
1: that like probably he's most familiar yeah. for. Um, but yeah, I thought it was just a really interesting choice that yeah. again, he was brought into it and he does a great job. He has a great voice period. Yes. Like, he has this really dark, gravelly kind of voice that again, I think brings you very quickly into like what this story is going to be about and the nature of these crazy characters and like those disgusting teeth of his. Ew.
0: They're rough. Oh,
1: Um, but he, he does a great job and he also has some like gravitas because like when we are watching the scene with a four year old Frank, I, to, to like your earlier point, Derek, I was watching the ghost watching Frank. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he did. Yeah. He did a great job. And same, same thing. Like I, you know, definitely feel free to disagree with me. But, I think that he's not quite as over the top as like Carol Kane. Sure. Um I disagree. Do you yeah. disagree?
0: No, I didn't even I don't think you even finished what you were gonna say. Oh,
1: I was just gonna say that I think that like what's nice about his character is that he it's it's like for a limited part of the movie. like for yeah. any one of those characters that he comes into contact with, I mean, Ghost of the Future is a little different because Ghost you of don't, the
0: Future is amazing in this movie,
1: yeah like a cr- christmas future i guess yeah. i should say right. um yes. goes
2: to go goes to the future Goes to the future, all, all future.
1: Yeah. um so that that's like hard to kind of pin down i mean they don't speak and you just see the right. like little horrors underneath their robe and creepy. but um creepy but, creepy 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 but i think that for christmas past he does he just does a great job yeah. He
0: comes back at the I end. I love
2: when he picks her up, when he picks Claire up. Yeah. And he and she says, can you get me to the IBC building in three minutes, right? Or four minutes, five minutes, three, something. I think it was three minutes. Yeah. Oh, look at me. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> look at you. Look at me. Like, he, he responds with like, what floor, doesn't he? Yep. Like, he's going to take her yeah. straight to the floor his gross cigarette and his his fingerless gloves like that whole thing is so he's so creepy and but perfect
0: i mean he was there specifically because he knew that she would be there to get her to him yeah right Right. yeah i I assume he wasn't just like like working the beat
1: they're like i don't think they're ghosts in the traditional sense i think that they're more like these Kind of all be all knowing beings. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they call him ghosts because I don't think that they were just like once living people who are now dead.
0: They have cool uh, titles, so yeah, he's not just a ghost; he's the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah. there's only one of him.
1: Yeah, yeah, the ghost. But yeah, they just they all really add to the context of the story. But what? So one thing because we I know we've been talking for a while and it's been this amazing conversation, but I would be remiss. If we did not, we briefly, briefly brought her up, but Elfre Woodard. Oh, yeah. Oh, Grace.
2: Grace. I so love good. So amazing. So good. So honest. And like the only person who like, I think told him like it was right. Like, I think mm-hmm. she was the only one who he even allowed. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Who, who he allowed to really speak to him how he should be spoken to.
1: Hmm. I loved that. I thought that was incredible. And I think what she pulls off really well is she kind of hits this like middle ground that works for the movie because she can match Frank's energy on a certain level. Yes. But she also is very relatable.
0: She's the realist person. Like yeah. when, when her little boy is being decorated as a Christmas tree yeah. and she wants to be upset, but it's adorable. Yeah. And you can see that in her face. Yeah. yeah she's great
2: yeah she, she and- had this as a as an actress she has this um thing that she does i think in every movie she's been in because another uh style of movie that i i like as well as eighties are urban films that's i mm-hmm. think like a, that's the a p c way of saying it correct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yep so. uh, <laughs> so She's a, a very well known actress in a lot of um other urban films Mm -hmm. but she's got this thing that she does with her eyes yes she did it in scrooge where she just opens them a little wider and then Mm. like just that moment just that opening her eyes just a little wider says everything she wants to say in that scene it's the totally Totally agree it's it's so amazing and it's like when you have that and, and that's all you need to do. And now your audience is like, oh, she just said this. Or, oh, my God, I know exactly what she means. Or I just said it the same way. But she didn't say anything. It's the best. It's the best.
1: It's really amazing because, you know, I, I'm not an actor. I have so much respect for the craft. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's a little bit of both, you know, the learning and training. But also, I think. Do you think that there's something something to be said for being an instinctual actor? Yeah. And and kind of just like letting certain things kind of take over without you having to manipulate. And yeah. I think that, you know, whether she makes that choice, like, oh, I know if I open my eyes a little bit wider, it's gonna convey such and such yeah. versus her just doing it in the moment. Whatever it is, she's amazing at it. And, you know, I always kind of like research the main actors in every film that we cover. And one thing that I was just like delighted to see both both as like you know a person of color who's in this industry but also an older woman. Right. Um she her career has just gotten bigger and and yeah. and yeah, more prolific. She's I in mean, Black Panther. Yeah, like Marvel. It, when
0: you're in Marvel. Yeah, then. like she
1: like I was just like wow, you know, go Alfre because she is just doing as m- much now as she ever has. Yeah and Absolutely. that's just amazing and it's like amazing that you know this film is you know plus 30 years and her career has just like blown up I, so I, yeah and and i think that also the fact that she just happens to be a really good actor yes again elevates the the film because she really is as much as like we were talking about the moments with Frank where you you can really empathize with him about um you know this this kind of broken childhood that he had I empathize or sympathize some of us thankfully didn't have that but um she she really is the heart of the movie
0: yeah she grounds everything she yeah 100 she,
1: yeah.
2: uh, 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 she sure is
0: and she's yeah. great at making decisions of like towel or <laughs> vhs
1: because
0: she just went on her own for some of those and she made the right calls she, she totally did.
1: did yeah she sure did I mean, and, and as like a little bit of a side note, I think one thing that's really sweet is uh, how many Murray brothers.
2: I was just going to say that when you said towel or BGS, I was like, we got to talk about how many of the brothers are in this movie. <laughs> all of them. Right? All, of the,
1: all the ones that act.
2: Okay. All the ones that act, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and I thought that that was a really sweet. I think he does that often, doesn't he? I think he does. Um, I mean, his his. I think he's older. I, I apologize if he's not. Um, but because <laughs> I know that probably, you know, would but um in any case, his I think older brother Brian Doyle Murray. He's yeah. been in a ton of he's stuff. yeah. He has I, I actually uh wrote this down because I'm sure they don't care between them, but he has one hundred and fifty nine acting credits to Bill's ninety three.
0: I mean, Brian Doyle Murray was even in an episode of Supernatural.
1: Yeah, that's well, how crazy he's in everything. Yeah. Well, just- um. So he's amazing. He plays four year old Frank's dad. Hmm. Yeah. And then I mean, they have lesser roles. Well, no, that's not true. Um, the one does. I think Joel Murray kind of is. He maybe has a line or two. Um, But it's John, I believe, John Murray, who is like the younger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. In the movie and in real life. Um, And yeah, I mean, I just thought that that was like a nice little part of it. I mean, I guess I guess where I'm going to kind of wrap this all up is. As far as I stand on this movie, if I'm being really truthful.
0: Lie to us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not it's not in like my top three holiday movies okay sure I understand I mean it's it's
2: takes it's because I feel like similar to I think you did this podcast already similar to die hard because that's (laughs) a Christmas movie right which okay great It I'm not gonna be in an argument I
1: would would it be fair Michelle to call you a traditionalist in that regard I mean Probably. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think so. Uh, you lean more that way. I won't, I won't categorize you, but you lean, you lean a little bit more. So that makes total sense. That Well,
0: look, I'm going to take a crack at at least two of your top three Christmas movies. Since you for said Michelle? this isn't no for you. Oh, since you said specifically that this doesn't break your top three. Yeah. White Christmas. Yes. It's a wonderful life. Yes. I don't know the third, but those two, I'm, I already I'm very mentioned com- it. You did.
1: Oh, I mentioned it when we were not recording. <laughs> 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 so, Michelle, can you guess what the third is? I mean, okay, White
2: Christmas, It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. and what Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street,
1: Home Alone. Oh, well duh
0: Okay, so when you think of those, that is the top three. I get why this, w- why Scrooge would sure. not be sure. cracking that top three. Of
1: course. But okay. So before I continue with my point, I feel like we all need now to share. So, Michelle, what are your top three?
0: Wow! Right on the spot. Wowzers.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: of course, it's a wonderful life. Of course. Um, but then again, but then I also absolutely love National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh
2: yeah. And I I know it's it. I think it it became one of my favorites because I feel like I can watch it all the time. It's I think it was made in the nineties. The Santa Claus, the first one.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I I love that one a lot. I think. See, it's it's funny because I think I also love that one because I have a connection to watching it with um, uh, my closest friend. We've been friends since kindergarten, and we watched that movie. I think all Christmas break because we went to school together. So you know, you're two weeks off for Christmas. I'm pretty sure we watched it every single day. (laughs) Yeah, it was crazy. Um. I, I I guess if I'm saying top three, I'm thinking that's it. Yeah, it's a wonderful. Okay, life. all right. National Conference Christmas Vacation at the Santa Claus.
1: Okay, and Derek.
0: I'm gonna say in in no particular order. Okay, but Elf. Okay. Oh um, well, yeah, yeah, A Christmas Story. Okay. And I'm gonna say like this one. Um, it's not the best. I don't think. Uh, a Christmas Carol movie. But the George C. Scott version I of it, which, that, yeah. which hasn't aged particularly well with like the effects and everything. But that was like I, I still have really positive memories, really fond memories of watching that with my dad who loved George C. Scott and loved that version of it. So okay. those are my top three.
1: I mean, George, she, George C. Scott as scrooge is like the it, most perfect bit of casting it just makes sense yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was such a hard ass in right? real life so it's like yeah. yeah i mean he was like one of two figures who like no i don't want my oscar yeah. like <laughs> he so was, was i guess you're my top he was three. pretty tough um okay so here's here's the reason why i'm br- even bringing this up is that actually it's to compliment the film because Although <laughs> it's not in my top 3, I think that it does not get enough credit for a Christmas movie with heart. Yeah. Right. Yeah,
2: you're and, right with the for heart part. Yeah, you're right.
1: Yeah, I think and that's where I was going is yeah. that and and I think what's really neat is that even though, you know, I've seen the film multiple times, It's actually kind of through having these conversations sometimes that I gain a greater appreciation. And that's absolutely what happened here is that, you know, I think sometimes you just watch a movie, especially if it's a movie that you've just known for a long time. Sometimes you just kind of zone out, you know, when you're watching it. And, And when you actually are put in a position to kind of like think about it. You glean more. And so that for, I can only speak for myself, but that's, that's what happened with this like last screening is like me appreciating more the more har- heartful, heartfelt, heartfelt m- moments of it.
0: 80s yeah. movie montage is where we sometimes think <laughs> about the movies that we watch. So, yes.
1: But, and, and I think, Michelle, one thing that, you've brought up a couple times now, and I think this is like kind of the perfect way to kind of put a stamp on this movie and this type of movie right? is the, the memories and the, and what, like it's always about the why yeah? with a holiday movie, I think. Yeah. Okay. And like, you could absolutely have, like, I remember this is not an eighties movie, but I remember having the most amazing experience seeing like the matrix in the theater for the first. So like you can absolutely. definitely have things imprinted upon you yeah. that right. have nothing to do with the holidays, but Um, I think especially and and it kind of ties into Frank's monologue at the end about what Christmas should be. Yeah. And yeah.
2: Oh, please go ahead. No, I was just going to I was just fully agreeing with you. And I shouted out absolutely. And it's funny because he shouts that out. And yeah. that's a Chicago saying, have you ever, have you noticed that at all? I'm sorry. I know I'm, I'm throwing a
1: No, I mean, I guess I do. I use the word absolutely, but I never, that's it like is, a Chicago thing.
2: It is a Chicago thing because my whole family says it. Like when you're in a conversation with somebody and somebody says something that really you completely agree with, you end up saying absolutely. Or if they ask, you I guess I do say that. Okay. Feel fully on uh, uh, board agreeing with it then you say absolutely and he says it I watched before we had our podcast uh, before we had this interview I watched just that last scene because I know every time I watch it I love it so much mm. and so I watched that just that last monologue and he shouts it absolutely and I'm like oh, see it's Chicago it, it's Chicago. <laughs> if it was in uh, if it was in
0: California it would have ended with right yeah
2: right <laughs> Exactly, right? For sure.
1: (laughs) Totally. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, and I think that, again, you, I mean, even you just bringing up like something that's like considered like a Chicago way of saying things, like that again ties into like these familial bonds that you have and these memories that you have of watching these movies and why they have meaning for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: No. What a setup!
0: That was amazing.
1: Well <laughs> done. Well, Michelle, I mean, as always, and this is like the first time I can say that because, again, first returning guest.
2: Oh my gosh!
1: It has been truly such a joy. Like I-, I can't honestly think of a better person with like a movie like this to to talk about it, and just like the enthusiasm that you have for it, and and the great memories that you have of it. Like it's yeah. it's really been our pleasure to have you share all of that with us.
2: Thank you. I mean, I was honored when I got when you guys told me that you'd like to have me again. I was like, yes, I did a good (laughs) job.
1: (laughs) Good job. You did a great job. I mean, I I will say it's hard to live up to the standard of dirty dancing because like that is your jam. All it, we can
0: do like, is try. All we
1: can do is try. <laughs> and you you did. You hit it out of the ballpark. Thank so, you so much. Yeah.
2: Thank you, guys. This was amazing. And remember, I'm always
1: around if you have another one for me to do. <laughs> Perfect. So, as always, thank you, Michelle. You were amazing. And, and o-
0: as always, and yeah. once again, thank you.
1: <laughs> exactly. All right. So... Would I watch this film again? Would you watch this film again?
0: Of course. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: But, okay, so there's a couple things. One, it's a holiday movie, so I'm not going to really be like, yeah, I want to watch Scrooged in June. No, so I'm also, that.
0: like, I've made so many comparisons to just, like, all of the other variations of A Christmas Carol. I'm not watching them in June either. But any time, any year, like, in the in the holiday season, I'm always up for watching this. If it's just on a channel, mm-hmm. I'll watch wherever it is. I don't know, like, if I need to start it from like start to finish, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, I I enjoy the movie a lot, even though it's like Bill Murray at his zaniest.
1: At times. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is, I think, one of those holiday movies where if you're just like flipping through stations, you're probably gonna find it at some point in the month of December.
0: I wonder how many people listening to this podcast actually have either a traditional cable or like a streaming service with regular channels, or if they wonder what are these
1: two talking about? (laughs) I guess we're old school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I enjoy that in the same way that I enjoy, like if I'm driving in the car and I listen to the radio, I like like oh, I yeah. love this like that's the best. And I
0: never do that anymore. I just always put on a like Spotify or something Ugh, and just random randomly shuffle through uh, music. Yeah,
1: I love going through. You probably realize maybe much to your dismay <laughs> how much I love going through the radio stations and finally finding something I want to listen. to You got to. presets
0: one two three four five, but then it also there's like that button where it switches it, it rolls it over so that it's like six seven eight nine ten. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, I mean, and, and as far as holiday movies go, look, we had this whole conversation when we were talking with Michelle about, like, ranking our, our movies. Mm-hmm. So this is something that, like, I would be totally content to watch, like, once a year. In comparison, like, I, I've i already been watching It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas multiple times yeah. because I love that. So, and we just last night we saw Home Alone. So
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I watch as many of them multiple times, but I watch, like, a, a larger number of them. You know, mm-hmm. every every year over this time of year.
1: As far as like a listener call to action, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to be. I feel like it's like getting real deep to be like asking them to maybe reveal like life regrets and <laughs> <laughs> how they would do things differently if they could. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know what? actually something that could be kind of interesting since there are so many different versions of A Christmas Carol. Which Mm. one they like the best?
0: I like that one. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm fine with that. I was going to say, which of the three Christmas spirits is your favorite? That's a good one too. Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas—the ghost of Christmas future, such as it is.
1: I mean, Ghost of Christmas Future, I feel like is the most uh, static in terms of how it's portrayed because it's kind of always just like a version of the Grim Reaper.
0: He should basically just wear a shirt saying "You fucked up."
1: Yeah, like, and I'm going to show you how. That's pretty much what that character is. But there, there is a lot of diversity with the way that the other two are portrayed. So, I
0: think. Notwithstanding any of that, what I appreciate most about the call of action that we provide to our audience yes. is that we literally think of them right now.
1: Yeah, no, I they're mean... on the
0: spot. <laughs> what should it be?
1: Just so you know, peeps, like this isn't none of this is planned. The degree well, of planning and the, coordination
0: that goes the, into this. The
1: I do do a fair amount of research. You do, yeah, you yeah, do, yeah. yeah. All right, I just Not, don't. <laughs> the call have this all on the top of my head.
0: And <laughs> every, how many of these have we done now? And every single time, I'm like, oh yeah, call to action. Twenty-three. Yeah, every single time. I'm like, every single oh, time. I better think of one.
1: So, if you would like to either tell us, I mean, if you wanna lay on us your deepest life regrets, we're here for you. I feel
0: like I've asked that before. On one of the earlier episodes. Very possible. Yeah. Very
1: possible. So you can do that. You can tell us which of the many different Christmas carols is your favorite or which of the three spirits are your favorite or.
0: Oh, my God. There's too many.
1: (laughs) which, Which performance of those ghosts that you like the best. It's all, it's all out there for you, whatever so you want to pick. So many
0: options. So
1: many options. So you can get in touch with us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and it's the same handle for all three. It's at 80smontagepod, and 80s is 80s. Mm-hmm. Okay. Stink Peak. Our Sneak last. Peek? Our last holiday movie. What's it going to be? Do you, you truly don't know, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Gremlins!
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah, so, it, is, it is very much a Christmas movie. Yeah.
1: It's, it's very much a Christmas movie. I mean, Gizmo is literally a Christmas present, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a Christmas movie. It's maybe not the most traditional of Christmas movies, but it's, it's, a, it's a Christmas movie. It also happens to be our very last episode of the season. Yeah. So that's the fun one. And we have a wonderful guest who I'm super excited to have on the show. We're so We're going to be
0: taking a little bit of a break after the first season before the second season starts.
1: January, yeah, we'll be I right mean, back. I mean, Seasons are just yeah. pretty much like the year. yeah, we just we're, we're just gonna keep <laughs> we doing. don't we don't take a break, which I'm sure all of you are just like very relieved over. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back. so every two weeks. And on that <laughs> note, thank you so much for hanging with us and uh, looking forward to having you again.